I can't, I can't, I can't. I've got a heavy heart this week. Some things going on in our country, in our world, our society, our neighborhoods, our states. I just, I, I can't pretend that it's not going on, that it's getting better, that things are going to change, that people are going to change, that we ourselves are, are going to abandon our own internal levels of bigotry and just pretending that in our own little corner of the world that nothing else exists around us, that looking at everything through a local perspective, not a global view. We, so many of us, have become guilty of this viewpoint. We get real comfortable and cushy in our suburban lifestyle, our our own little corner of the world, and we see things happening even down the street in another state, somewhere else across the country, in another country for that matter. And we're like, ah, those poor people. Ah, I can't believe that happened to them. And then we go out and barbecue on our grill on our back deck or jump in our pool or our go to our country club dinners and safely shop in Kroger or some pharmacy, maybe a department store if it's open in the midst of this pandemic with a mask on, we go. Some of us without masks because we just don't really care or get it. And what happened the other day in Minneapolis, Minnesota has just made me ill. It's made me angry. And I allow my anger to get the better of me sometimes. And I've gotten better since getting married almost 20 years ago and having children. Uh, First one that we had, he's 13 now. Uh, Our youngest is 10. Two amazing people. Real bright hope for the future, these two kids. Uh, Not at all what you see in the media or entertainment as your typical tween or teen now, these kids really get it they they have a, a heart uh, for compassion for leadership they they have empathy for those around them for the world around them they understand the world is bigger than they are and it's not just about them and that's what so many of us are guilty of it's about us it's about the faults of others not our own it's about placing blame on the man down the street or the person who fired you from a job that you probably did really badly at 15 years ago or the person who wronged you in high school that you still harbor ill will for. A lot of trivial things we just don't let go of. But there are serious issues that we don't take seriously either. And that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to start this show off with. I have your undivided attention and I'm going to deliver some truth to you. You know, you know darn well what I'm talking about, if anyone's been paying attention. His name was George Floyd. 
A Minnesota grocery store called the police on him Memorial Day when they thought he was writing a bad check. Turns out it wasn't a bad check. His check card he tried to use had a cracked magnetic strip, so it wouldn't work. So he goes to his vehicle, a Mercedes SUV, mind you, and with food donations and clothing donations in his back seat that he was headed to drop off to at a church to help people that are victims of this pandemic that's been plaguing us since February. He takes a company check-in because dude's a self-made businessman, or was, I should say, and proceeds to write a check to cover the cost of the things he bought to donate. And the person in this store thought he was just a regular black man trying to weasel his way into some goods, stolen goods, by passing bad checks. Turns out that wasn't the case at all. Dude had plenty of money in his account to back it up, but that wasn't discovered until after he was killed. Murdered by four police officers. Police officer Derek Chauvin, badge number 1087, along with two other officers, pinned him down to the hard pavement. But not before they pulled him violently from the driver's side seat of his vehicle as he was trying to show them documentation proof that he had the money in his account to cover it, showing them his business checks, trying to show them his ID. They weren't interested in that. They wanted to just point fingers and say, you're just another black man trying to weasel his way into our comfort zone and be one of us. You'll never be one of us. You're a black man. They stuck their knee on George's neck until he died. While officer badge number 7162, Toy Teo, stood by and did nothing. The officer who had his knee placed in the back of George's neck casually placed his hands in his pockets as if he was waiting for a bus to arrive to pick him up at a bus stop. Just casually placing his hands in his pockets like it's another day. I'm hanging out at the ball diamond watching a game. This is great. That's the look on his face, he couldn't have cared less that he was strangling the life out of a man who was posing no threat to them, not resisting anything, trying to comply with their requests and show them all necessary paperwork that each one of them shouted at him individually with guns drawn. Not even so much as a, hey, what's going on here? Uh, we got a call that you're trying to pass a bad check. Can you let us see this check? Uh, let's go over here and have a talk. No, they immediately because dude was a big black man, went for a hostile reaction and ended in a terrible act. The one officer stood by and did nothing. An Asian officer, mind you. So as he stood there, just looking at everyone, and George is calling out to people that are standing by, recording this as it's happening, as they're pleading with the officers to stop. The man can't breathe. The mayor of Minneapolis saw this. Jacob Frey is his name. He announced on Tuesday that the four officers had been fired. The FBI is currently investigating the incident where over 19,000 people just that day alone, online, through several social formats, watched George as he died. Now, more than millions and millions of people have seen the video footage 
and <clears throat> there's no there there's no other way to to put it these officers murdered an innocent man because of the color of his skin i can't breathe he screamed he was screaming this over and over and asking for water and asking for them to let their knee off the back of his neck. They had him handcuffed, face down on the ground, thrown to the hard pavement, yanking him from his vehicle before his seatbelt was even unbuckled, strangling him with that. I don't think there's much to investigate. He was murdered, plain and simple, by the Minneapolis Police Department, literally in no time at all, which was very much needed, very necessary to happen. Protests took to the streets, not just in Minneapolis, but they're in Cincinnati. They're in Cleveland. They are in New York. They are in Washington, D.C. They are in Lafayette. They are in Miami, Los Angeles, Seattle. All major metropolitan and even not so large cities. People are taken to the streets because people of all color, or at least those that are of a different color, not being black, have had enough of this tyranny and this police state that we have become. Let me get this straight. Someone with a Black Lives Matter sign sitting on the ground peacefully protesting the senseless murder of George Floyd with their hands up warrants a guns drawn tear gas response from police. While last month, white men with AR-15s fully armed head to toe carrying live grenades and grenade launchers get to storm more than a dozen state capitals, intentionally blocking traffic and preventing hospital workers from tending to COVID patients and verbally abusing, along with pointing their firearms and throwing rocks and bottles at counter-protesters, all in an attempt to push against the lockdown during this global pandemic. And nothing happens to them. They spit, they cuss, they threaten, they scream in the faces of police officers, and the police just stand there because it's their right to protest. They never draw a gun. They never make an arrest. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in two different Americas. I'm Neil Parks. This is Paranormally Speaking. It's my weekly podcast that I do where I discuss strange, unusual news Weird supernatural happenings, the unexplained, the paranormal. <sighs> and there's nothing normal about what's going on in our world. It's as if we live in an alternate reality where things that were once frowned upon are completely socially acceptable now. Where the things we were taught by our parents and our grandparents and our forefathers are practiced daily by our elected officials. We were taught not to do. They do all the time, every day. We have a man in the Oval Office who consistently lies and belittles people and robs people of their integrity. The man has no soul, no backbone, no integrity of his own. Yet somehow, he became the President of the United States under the jurisdiction of the Electoral College, which... The Electoral College is completely unnecessary to begin with. We should have eradicated it decades ago, if not a century ago. The Republican Party is no longer the party of Lincoln. McCain was the last great man standing of the Republican Party. And the only one we have now that's worth a damn is Mitt Romney.
the only Republican elected official that has any integrity, any backbone, any grit, any true love for America and democracy and freedom is Mitt freaking Romney. And look, I'm really not trying to make it sound as if I'm blaming the Republicans for any of this. And this is a fault that reaches across party lines. This goes beyond the aisle. Uh, The problem is we've got a party on one side that has turned a blind eye willingly to the festering boil and seeping stew of racism for far too long. And this didn't all start with Obama becoming president, making the world more racist, the, the country more racist. It's not that racism is getting worse. It's that it's actually getting filmed now. And people of all religions, creeds, nationalities, sexual preferences are seeing it streaming live. And this is something that we can't put a Band-Aid over anymore. Now, when Obama became president, that Band-Aid was ripped. That social Band-Aid that covered the scar of racism in this country was ripped clean off of the wound. The wound reopened because so many people in power and so many people in this country hated the idea of a black man in the White House with a Muslim name. And no matter how you slice it, that is the bottom of the barrel fact of the matter. No matter how much you want to dispute that, there are people and there were people. There are still people that feel that way, that will always feel that way. And the only true change will come from within ourselves. No matter how much I fume about this on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or on my podcast, I'm not going to change anyone's mind. And I'm only fueling the fire of resistance and pleasing the ears of my normal listeners who agree with me. And there are a lot of people who don't agree with me, and I completely understand that, and I'm fine with it. In fact, if you no longer want to listen to my podcast because of my my ranting and raving right now, I completely understand, and I won't miss you. If you decide, damn it, Neil Parks, I'm sick of you preaching to me about how bad we all are, about how we need to change... I don't see it. Well, that's called white privilege. That's why you don't see it. And that's something you got to deal with on your own terms. There's nothing I can say or do that will change you for the better. You got to dig within yourself. But as I said in the beginning, this is not just a Republican GOP thing where they have failed the people. This goes beyond party lines. And there are a lot of Democrats that are guilty of just sitting by elected officials and allowing this to continue because they want to secure a future seat for themselves in some other higher office or possibly the presidency someday, which is the highest honor of all. And we have a buffoon who is the president right now that's making things worse, making them worse than they've ever been. He's screaming about wanting to put Uh, limits and run jurisdiction on social media platforms because they finally fact-checked the son of a gun and decided the crap you're spewing is absolute BS and it's damaging to the truth. And they're putting the reins on him. They are muzzling him. It needs to be done. The First Amendment gives us freedom of speech, but there are consequences with that freedom. And if you're spewing BS from the mountaintop, And you have a large portion of the community rallying around that lie, that mistruth. Then that's something that 
needs to be wrangled in because it is damaging to our society, our culture, our country. And it's creating a cult-like mentality. Now, the Democrats aren't perfect. They are trying, damn it. They are trying to make the playing field level and equal. For the most part, they try. Do they succeed at everything? No. But at least they're not intentionally going out trying to damage and hurt and ruin the working class, the poor, and the downtrodden. We were all supposed to be in this together. This whole pandemic that has plagued us, this viral outbreak. We have a man in office who's calling it a hoax. Who called it a hoax, then backpedaled, and then showed some small spark of openness to it and the reality of it. But he constantly denies the scientific evidence, the data, the facts, and calls it a democratic hoax, a hoax to thwart his plans for re-election and his rallying, his little hate rallies with his Kool-Aid sipping cult. And it's bigger than this. It's way bigger than that. This pandemic was supposed to bring us closer, even though it, it put us in our own separate corners. We were supposed to better ourselves from this. Distance makes the heart grow fonder, but it looks to me like it's made us worse. In February, there was a black man jogging in a neighborhood in Georgia, a neighborhood he's jogged through many times. But because it was raining and he stepped into a house that was under construction, that was being built from the ground up, that was open to the public to walk through and peruse, I'm sure many white people had walked through this same property and just looked around. This black man was caught on camera walking into this property and caught by many neighbors walking into the property and looking around. And then you know what? When the rains stopped, he continued on his jog and left that property. Did no damage, did not vandalize, didn't steal anything. They have video evidence of this very fact. And he was being followed and chased by another man who was white and video recording him on his journey and saying, what is this N-word doing in our neighborhood? I've never seen this guy. He's up to no good. And you can hear him on the phone calling other people in the neighborhood who on up ahead ambushed him from their pickup truck with guns blazing, pointed at him, demanding that he get his black ass on the ground or they're going to kill him. Well, this dude's just jogging in a neighborhood. Pretty um, set off by this, saying, why are you pointing your guns at me as he continues to jog? And without even so much as a second thought, they shoot him in the chest. And he runs at one of the men to grab their gun and pull it away from them. And they shoot him again. This is all caught on tape. This was done in February at the very dawn of this pandemic, this separation of all of us. And it was caught. And the state's attorney and very um, high, reputable local authorities that happened to be friends and relatives of these two armed militiamen who took this innocent man's life and had it all recorded, decided to sweep it under the rug. Somehow the video evidence made its way to social media. And it didn't take any time at all before it became headline news. And people saw an innocent man shot and killed by two armed militia white men who happened to be affiliated with hate groups in Georgia. Now, we had an innocent man in Minnesota killed by four police officers. 
choked to death for the crime of being black. Protesters took to the streets. The protests started out as peaceful. Peaceful demonstrations demanding answers, demanding justice. I applaud you on your efforts. But damn it, you turn it into 200 people out of 2,000 looting and destroying and burning buildings and cars and businesses in the downtown district of Minneapolis. You're damaging your own efforts. The efforts of so many to do the right thing, to speak the truth, to show the truth. It's being pissed on by a small group of idiots that are black, white, Latino, Asian, God knows whatever else nationality you are. We've seen you in these aerial video shots. We've seen you in the drone footage. We've seen you in the surveillance footage. It's not just black people doing this. It's all people in Minneapolis taking this travesty, taking advantage of it, and just damaging it all. Not at all proving a point of some sort of a united front to bring these men to justice, but setting their efforts back 80 years to where you've got a large group of people in that area screaming, we're going to have a lynch party. This is where we are, back to square one. We live in two different Americas. I'm Neil Parks. Please enjoy the rest of the show. Space Force won't fight aliens, who the hell will? A couple of weeks ago, military news site Task and Purpose confirmed the disturbing fact. The newly created U.S. Space Force has no intention of fighting aliens. Despite the recent uptick of military UFO sightings, the Pentagon appears uninterested, at least officially, in the possibility of hostile aliens. But if an alien invasion does take place, which arm of the Pentagon would respond? The answer? Probably all of them. During a recent Pentagon roundtable, Task and Purpose's Pentagon reporter Jeff Shogel asked if the Space Force is concerned about the threats posed by extraterrestrial intelligence. The official answer he got back was, well, no. Shogel's question was asked with tongue firmly planted in cheek, but the revelation last year that U.S. Navy fighter jets encountered alleged UFO crafts in 2004 and again in 2015, in both instances appearing on radar and leaving behind video evidence makes one wonder. If the unidentified flying objects described by the Navy pilots, as well as military and civilian personnel for the past 70 years, are really of extraterrestrial origin and unfriendly, how would the Pentagon deal with them? 
if UFOs suddenly descend from the skies, toasting the Statue of Liberty, the Great Mall of America, and the Golden Gate Bridge with death rays, the Pentagon would need to convene some sort of study group to quickly determine what kind of threat it was dealing with. If that happens, forget the Air Force. Ironically, the service that would most likely take the lead is the U.S. Navy. Why the Navy, you ask? Aliens would likely come from vast distances, traveling light years and long-distance voyages to smash puny humans. The U.S. Navy is unique among the services in planning similar, though much, much shorter voyages. Both submarines and UFOs deal with pressure. In the case of submarines, the pressure is on the outside, while in space, the pressure is on the inside of the vehicle. From an operational and technical standpoint, aliens and sailors have few things in common. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. There are other reasons the Navy might take the lead. 71% of Earth's surface is covered by water, and if aliens operated from the water, remember the 2004 sighting included reports of 737 sized object in the surface of the ocean. The Navy is unique in having manned aircraft, surface ships, and submarines prowling above, on and below the surface of the ocean. The Navy could also sail the most remote locations in the world's oceans, establishing a military presence for weeks or months to investigate and monitor for enemy activity. The Air Force could operate against aliens, but the service's fighters and bombers could only remain on station for mere minutes or hours before returning to base. Against a terrestrial threat, this isn't really a big deal, but against an alien threat we know nothing about, and according to the 2004 incident, theoretically capable of traveling extraordinary distances in the blink of an eye, such a force would be less useful. If humans could lure aliens into a set-piece battle the Air Force and could bring a lot of uh, firepower, but how one lures aliens into battle is anyone's guess. In the meantime, the Space Force, nestled under control of the Air Force, would contribute to alien war by maintaining the U.S. military's network of position, navigation, and timing GPS satellites, communication satellites, and other space-based assets. The Army would be the service responsible if aliens attempted a landing in the United States, or presumably one of our allies. The Army's 10 combat divisions would spring into action, attempting to destroy the aliens with fire and maneuver. It would be in many ways similar to countering an airborne landing. With the Army attempting to destroy the aliens' landing zone and prevent the flow of alien reinforcements, the Marines could also get into the alien fighting, particularly overseas in Asia, Europe, or even the Middle East, though one would like to think aliens would be smart enough to avoid that region and the prospect of their own 18-year war altogether. Of course, all of this 
is contingent on the U.S. military being on par with alien technology, which frankly is extremely unlikely. The universe is billions of years old, and other races could easily have a major head start of a million years or more on us. And certainly, any species capable of interstellar flight is far more technologically advanced than we are. Consider that a handful of 21st century tanks could crush an army from the 11th century, or even the 19th century for that matter. Even a difference of a thousand years would be ample enough to ensure humanity's defeat. From even a minor alien expedition slash hunting slash trip slash bachelor party. If aliens do exist, ultimately, it may not matter if they are hostile or not, or destruction at their hand, our destruction at their hands would be about as inevitable as destruction from an extinction-level meteor impact. They could even be friendly. The combination of advanced destructive technology and violent tendencies leading to intelligent life, self-screening itself from interstellar travel, that would be uh, bad news for humanity, of course. The UFOs people are seeing could even be top-secret U.S. government craft. The aliens could be us in the end. Maybe it doesn't matter if the Pentagon has a plan to fight aliens after all. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Dave Grohl says that the Foo Fighters recorded their upcoming album, their 10th album, isn't that neat, uh, in California. And it turns out the house is haunted. They can't even tell you about the house because a lady is trying to sell it. Huh. They said, we found out about the history of the house and I had to sign an effing non-disclosure agreement with the landlord because he's trying to sell it. So I can't give away what happened there, but they set up a baby monitor. Things did happen. They did How see cool things. How cool is that? Um, their guitars would be detuned between sessions. All their settings on their soundboard would go back to zero. Their tracks would go missing. Some tracks didn't record while theirs would be there instead i guess like weird mic open noises okay like yeah, yeah, yeah mic would just open and noises would be there sure when they walked into the house dave said i knew the vibes were definitely off but the sound was effing on he said <laughs> the, stuff. the vibes were off but the sound yes. was on he said stuff That's started happening awesome. almost right away and they got increasingly weirded out and that wild? Yeah, who would not? I mean, like that's yeah, that's really weird. I Once mean, like, this- you're recording, you're recording like one of the coolest albums that you can record. What your your tenth one, and then right. all of a sudden you're surrounded by a bunch of ghosts. <laughs> I love it. Once they sell that house, I bet we'll get more details. Well, yeah, you want to know ahead of time though that that's the house, right? Yes. Oh my god, I, it's kind of cool actually. Some people. Like, look for haunted houses. That's what I think, too. I think eventually they could probably get more out of that house because that would be the place. Neil Parks would love that. Foo Fighters recorded there, and it's haunted. He buys haunted items online. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're you're begging curses to be inside your home. Neil, you know, he he wants to hang out with the ghosts pretty bad. He does. Yes, he does. (laughs) He has some books written right now. You can check them out, uh, or you can buy them online. Neil Parks, look for him. He's local, and it's all the local haunts around here, Chillicothe, you name it. He has been there, and he's written about it. 
as if people haven't been thoroughly warned about dealing with such supernatural phenomenon, such pseudoscience as what I'm about to tell you. Shows like The X-Files, Stranger Things, Fringe, so many shows, movies in general, um, dealing with opening doorways, windows to alternate dimensions, multiverses, parallel universes. Stephen King's Mist comes to mind. Scientists are now hunting for a mirror universe and attempting to open portals into it. Imagine a world where everything is exactly the same as this one, but no one knows of its existence, even though it could be staring you right in the face. These are called mirror universes, a parallel world in a different time and space. While this prospect may seem a bit far-fetched for many, uh, Leah... Brazaud believes that these parallel universes are actually very real. In fact, she, along with her colleagues at Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee, are on the hunt for a mirror universe and plan on opening portals to them. Enter universe portals. Brazard is attempting to open a portal to a parallel universe by what she calls oscillation, which would eventually lead her to mirror matter, to conduct these experiments during the upcoming summer. Brazaud will send a beam of subatomic particles down a 50-foot tunnel, past a powerful magnet, and into an impenetrable wall. This reminds me so much of the scene from Stranger Things, where they have the high magnetic resolution generator with reverse magnetic polarity, beaming subatomic particles through a reverse-engineered prospect directly into an inanimate object such as a wall or a barrier of some sort and opening these portals. And of course, you end up opening a mirror universe, much like the Upside Down and Stranger Things. So what's the point in all of this? Well, if the setup is just right, some of these particles will transform into mirror image versions of themselves, allowing them to tunnel right through the wall. If it works, this would be the first proof of a mirror universe. The whole experiment will only take around a day, but analyzing the data will take many weeks afterward. Either way, it won't be long before the results are published. The mirror universe, assuming they actually exist, these mirror worlds would have their own laws of mirror physics and its own mirror history. While there isn't going to be an evil doppelganger, we hope, on of everyone on Earth or the mirror Earth, Scientists might find mirror atoms or mirror rocks, maybe even mirror planets and stars. They may even form an entire world similar to this one, but completely cut off from it. So how did this all come about? Many people would be wondering how such an idea would even come around in the first place. As with many scientific discoveries, it started with nothing more than a majority of the people that would disregard tiny discrepancies. As many scientific discoveries, it started with nothing more than that. Researchers found that neutrons created in particle beams, similar to one that Broussard would use late, uh, they would last 14 minutes and 48 seconds on average, before decaying into protons. However, neutrons stored in a laboratory bottle seemed to break down a bit faster, in 14 minutes and 38 seconds on average. That's all there is to it, 10 seconds. I might, uh, it might not sound like much, but the difference should be zero, as all neutrons are exactly the same, and they should decay at exactly the same rate, no matter where they are or what they are doing. This links into an idea 
from about a decade ago from Anatoly Serbrov and Petersburg, uh, Petersburg Nuclear Physicists Institute in Russia. Serbrov came up with the idea that ordinary neutrons sometimes cross over into the mirror world and transform into mirror neutrons, where they would no longer be detectable, as if they had vanished or ceased to exist. Broussard goes on to explain that this is while the life of the neutrons would look wrong and shorter, they would have actually been disappearing from the test equipment while the researchers were studying them, giving the impression of them decaying faster. But if mirror universes were real, and Broussard and her team did find them, what if they managed to open a portal? The world would never be the same again, and everyone would see it completely differently compared to how they do now. Who knows what waits for us on the other side? But of course, if we pay attention to anything in pop culture with and television and movies and science fiction novels, uh, the actual fact within that fiction may be a lot stranger than the fiction itself. That's all the time we have this week for my podcast, Paranormally Speaking. I'm Neil Parks, award-winning author, paranormal professional, public speaker, lecturer, filmmaker, screenwriter, professional artist, and a major Star Wars fanatic, Star Trek, sci-fi, paranormal geek. I'm glad I had your undivided attention. I hope that you learned something valuable from this week's episode. I'll be back next week with more fun facts, out-of-this-world news, outrageous facts, and stories of the unusual, the unexplained. I'm glad you've stayed with me this long. Have a blessed rest of the week, a terrific weekend, and please, for the love of God, be good to each other. Because this is the only planet we have, and we're all stuck here together. So regular, regardless of being Christian, Jewish, Muslim, atheist, agnostic, Wiccan, uh, Hare Krishna, Jehovah's Witness, whatever you are, whatever you subscribe to, we're all in this together for real. And we need to start acting like it. I, for one, call for a national intervention. And I hope that this episode is what sets us on the right path, or at least those who listen to this podcast. Share it, spread it, let your friends and enemies listen to it, because it may be one of the most important messages of our time. I was waxing poetic and throwing a lot of uh, spotlight on me there. So what's not about me, it's about us. Have a great weekend. So you're a t-